Good morning. This is Northern Light for Monday, December 18th. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Mo. Most older adults in the North Country want to live out their years at home. To do that safely, they need the support of a professional caregiver. And that's one thing with uh, our job, that people come and go so often, they don't realize how taxing it is. It's actually astonishing to me, at least. Our healthcare series continues with a story on what in-home care looks like when it's working. Also, we'll talk with two Adirondackers about a new book that celebrates life in Saranac Lake. Caper Dentiso and photographer Skip Murray tell us about the book Saranac Lake and Adirondack Portrait. And a Saranac Lake quilter shows us how she makes fabric come alive in today's North Country at Work story. My father's mother was a professional seamstress, and I used to get to play in her button box, which is awesome. And so I started out by making clothes. Starting when I was about seven, I would sit on my mom's lap and we made Barbie clothes. All of that and more is coming up on Northern Light. Stick with us. Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by Adirondack Experience, the museum on Blue Mountain Lake, hosting their new In the Adirondack Library online series each month. Details at the adkx.org. And by Apothecary Chocolates, making gourmet chocolates by hand from all natural herbs, botanicals, and tree syrups, apothecarychocolates.com. This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. The North Country is aging, and our healthcare system isn't ready for it. Hospitals lack specialty care, assisted living facilities, and nursing homes are overcrowded. But healthcare professionals say the best care is not at those places, it's keeping people at home. Tomorrow, we'll take a look at what happens when families don't receive the care they need. But first, we should see what in-home care looks like when it's working. Monica Sandreski brings us this story. Good morning. Good morning, Freddie. How you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. Freddie Gonzalez is 80 years old and lives on a dirt road outside of St. Regis Falls. This Adirondack ranch is paradise to him. A few years ago, though, he suffered a stroke that left him weak on his right side and unsteady on his feet. So he called North Country Home Services in Malone looking for someone to help him with daily life, like walking around his house and prepping meals. That's when Dylan Torrey came on. It's been a long time. I honestly don't remember when we start, when I started. I don't remember, but I know that uh, at, least, at least four or five years. <laughs> we should kind of take it day by day, and it's already been five years. Tori laughs behind a blonde beard. He's wearing black sneakers and a t-shirt with Albert Einstein on the front. The two of them have learned a lot about each other over that time. How long were you in the military? I forget, what's what, 30 years? 30 years. Yeah, he talks a lot about his military days, which is awesome. How he used to run the roads. (laughs) You had a wife in Montreal, and then you would have to drive all the way to South Carolina and I think also, what, Texas at some points? Yeah. And then get on a Navy ship because he was in the Navy. Mm-hmm. So he like, misses running the roads. <laughs> Thank God I'm retired. 
I'm finished with that life. <laughs> Across the North Country, thousands of older adults are aging in their homes, which is a good thing, and we'll hear more about that later. But to do that, they need the help of a caregiver. Tori comes by five days a week from 9 to 2 to prep Gonzalez's peppermint tea and hard-boiled eggs with blue cheese. He picks up groceries, opens his pill bottles if they're stuck. I gotcha. Navigates credit card mishaps over the phone. I thought it was one of your older numbers, Freddie. Yeah. For your military discount. And helps Gonzalez navigate the driveway. Slow and steady, Freddie. This is what good in-home care looks like. Becky Leahy says AIDS are the backbone of elder care. She's Tori's supervisor. And she says AIDS don't provide medical care. They're trained to observe changes in their client's health and notify their supervising nurse. They've fallen, they have a fever, their legs are swollen, they're short of breath, they're, um, you know, chest pain. They are um, told me they're sad today and they don't want to live anymore. Uh, They haven't eaten their meals on wheels that have come in in three days. I mean, that's on a daily, daily basis. And her nursing staff can address any medical issues. The end result is that Gonzalez is able to stay in his home years longer than if Tori wasn't there. The return on investment can be enormous by avoiding hospitalization stays and premature placement in skilled nursing facilities. You know, and I'm sure there's health concerns of people that aren't receiving care and what happens to them. That's the big concern in North Country healthcare today. Leahy says there aren't enough home care aides to meet the needs of the region's seniors. She employs about 170 aides, and Medicaid has approved her agency to serve another 1,000 hours worth of clients per week. But she can't because they can't recruit the staff. One issue is pay. Aides are paid through Medicaid reimbursement set by the state and federal governments. That means Gonzalez's caregiver, Dylan Torrey, earns about $18 an hour. Leahy would love to pay him twice that. But what this means is that a lot of aides come and go, and lots of people don't apply to begin with. George, right? That's George. I got George. In the living room, Tori leans in as Gonzalez points out a photo on the hutch of him and his Navy buddy. There's another picture of Gonzalez with his arm around his late wife, Sylvia. Do you still get to see uh, her kids from time to time? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know about see them, but you get to talk to them on the phone a lot, right? Have they yeah. shown up in person? Yeah. Many seniors in the North Country don't have family close by. Even if they check in over the phone, Leahy says family members often don't realize how much their loved one's physical and emotional health has deteriorated. Home care has really opened my eyes to the human, I think the human condition and what is happening in our homes with our loved ones and our family members and how their lives change over the years and how difficult it is when their families move off and away and some of them are so isolated. It kind of opens your eyes to the importance of that kind of service. Tori wheels Gonzalez into the bedroom for his sponge bath. Once a man, twice a child. (laughs) You're terrible. Once a man, twice a child, he says. Tori washes under Gonzalez's arms. You feel better? Another important part of having AIDS come back year after year is that they build trust. And that, in turn, helps an older person's health outcomes. I had that stroke since 2008. And uh, I'm still alive. Still alive and look young. (laughs) In my mind, uh, I feel like I can live another 
80 years. <laughs> I think you could do it. And with Tori's help, he's on track to live out his years with care. Monica Sandresky, North Country Public Radio. Tomorrow on Northern Light, we'll hear what happens when older adults can't access in-home care and what it would take to make it available to everyone who needs it. You're listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. It's nine minutes past eight. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Just ahead, poems and photographs fill a new book about life in Saranac Lake. We'll talk with the creators coming up in just a few minutes here on Northern Light. Music featuring Patricia Julian out of Burlington. Northern Light is supported by the Village Mercantile, Saranac Lake, partnering with local nonprofit organizations to sell their merchandise through their e-commerce store. More at villagemerc.com. And St. Lawrence Health, whose affiliation with Rochester Regional Health means more patient access to specialty care. stlawrencehealthsystem.org. New York GOP leaders have chosen their candidate for the special election to replace ousted House Republican George Santos. As WSHU's Molly Ingram reports, the race is in a swing district and could make the Republican House majority even thinner. Republicans have chosen political newcomer Mazzy Pillup, a member of the Nassau County Legislature, as their nominee to represent New York's 3rd Congressional District. The seat was left open by Santos, who was ousted by lawmakers following a House Ethics Committee report that found Santos likely broke multiple federal laws during his campaign. Pillup was born in Ethiopia and immigrated to Israel as a child. She served as a paratrooper in the Israeli Defense Forces before moving to the United States in 2005. She will face Democratic candidate Tom Swazi, who held the seat between 2017 and 2023. He won comfortably in 2020, but gave up his seat in a failed bid for governor of New York. The special election is scheduled for February 13th. For North Country Public Radio, I'm Molly Ingram. The DEC has recovered a woman's body in the Shazy River in the village of Champlain. Authorities say she'd crossed into the U.S. illegally on Wednesday. Amy Fireisel reports. 
According to authorities, 33-year-old Ana Karen Vasquez Flores was reported missing on Wednesday when agents of the Champlain Border Patrol were told a woman had tried to enter the U.S. from Canada illegally and might be in need of rescue. Vasquez Flores' body was found in the Great Chazy River by a DEC Forest Ranger airboat crew on Thursday morning. Vasquez Flores' death comes about nine months after Roxham Road was closed to migrants hoping to seek asylum in Canada. Roxham Road had been used for years as an irregular border crossing. It was jointly closed by the U.S. and Canadian governments in March. Quebec officials said the tens of thousands of asylum seekers who crossed at Roxham Road had taxed their local systems. But human rights advocates worried what it would mean when migrant asylum seekers were pushed to other more dangerous parts of the border. In April, just a month after the closure, eight people drowned in the St. Lawrence River. They were from Indian and Romanian families, who authorities say were trying to cross the border into Canada. It appears Vasquez Flores was trying to cross into the U.S. Her death is still under investigation. The search for Vasquez Flores was conducted jointly by the DEC, the Clinton County Sheriff's Office, U.S. Border Patrol, and the New York State Police, as well as several area fire and EMS departments. Amy Feireisel, North Country Public Radio. New York has released long-delayed school test scores. 52% of New Yorkers in grades 3 through 8 were proficient in math. In English language arts, 48% of students were proficient statewide. Typically, the state would release its assessments in October for school districts and educators to review. Parents were already notified individually of their students' achievement. This is the third year that the state education department cautioned that, quote, an accurate comparison cannot be made to prior year's results because of changes to new learning standards implemented in spring 2023. Tests in 2021 were optional and no tests were given in 2020. New York is doling out about $500 million in grant funding for water infrastructure projects, including $54 million for North Country projects. About half the funding comes from the Environmental Bond Act. In a press release, the state said the investments will save residents about $1.3 billion, and the projects will create about 24,000 jobs across New York. Large North Country projects include $7.7 million to update Ticonderoga's wastewater plant, $5 million for for Plattsburgh's drinking water system and $5 million for replacing water main pipes in Clayton. Whole milk may be allowed back in schools soon. It was removed in 2012 in an effort to fight childhood obesity. But last week, the U.S. House of Representatives approved the Whole Milk for Healthy Kids Act. If passed by the Senate, it would put whole and 2% milk back in schools, which currently serve fat-free or 1% milk in cafeterias. That switch could also help North Country dairy farmers. As reported by the Watertown Daily Times, the change could increase the price for milk overall as less milk would be skimmed off and processing plants. Jefferson County Agricultural Coordinator Jay Madsen uh, told The Times that during the recent milk carton shortage, some schools have been serving whole milk and have seen an increase in demand for milk from students. Quilting is a folk art, a social activity, and a North Country tradition. Our region is home to lots of quilters' guilds who carry on the legacy and try new artistic styles. Today, one Adirondack quilter on how she brings pieces of fabric to life. Honor Williams-Bergen has this North Country at Work story. I'm in the basement of Phoebe Everson's Saranac Lake home. The room is brightly lit and there are colors everywhere, spools of thread and scraps of fabric. Okay, so 
This is where I keep this in my thread racks. Everson is a big quilter. She's also what people in the quilting world call a long armor. That's someone with a special sewing machine called a long arm. It makes it easier to sew the decorative quilt tops, the beautiful part you see, onto the batting, essentially the stuffing, and the backing that make a finished blanket. It runs on tracks, and it can go in any direction. It's heavy, but because of the bearings and the rollers that it goes on, it moves very smoothly. There's about two feet between the needle and the machine's engine, more than double the space of a normal sewing machine. And it's really high-tech. It has a laser pointer and even a computer tablet that she can use to adjust the settings. Many quilters pay long armors to put their blankets together. As a long armor, Everson helps put on the finishing touches that complete a client's vision. I bring people down into my studio. I have all these rules. We talk about who the quilt is for. The colors kind of talk to me, and so I'll suggest different threads. And then we together we pick out a design. Everson runs her business, Rabbit Tracks Quilting, out of this home studio. She says the thread and stitching that binds the quilt together make a big difference in its overall appearance. I also like to use what we call variegated thread, which changes color every inch or so. And when you do that, it kind of goes from dark to light or, or a different color. That also makes the quilt get more lively. Everson also makes her own quilt tops. She shows me one of her finished pieces, a quilt with bright pinks and bold patterns. We're opening it up. Next, Everson takes me through the process of long arming. First step, put your fabrics into the machine. You load the quilt on the machine. You put the top on, fold that aside, put the batting on, fold that aside, and then put the backing on connect that to an uptake roller, and then attach everything at that point. After the quilt is loaded, she can start sewing. The quilts are so big that she works in sections. That's where I roll up the quilt when I'm ready to advance it on the machine and do the section that's not been quilted so far. Everson is 69. For most of her life, she worked as an emergency room doctor. She didn't start quilting until about 15 years ago. But Everson has a connection to sewing that goes back to her childhood. I come from a sewing family. My father's mother was a professional seamstress, and I used to get to play in her button box, which is awesome. And so I started out by making clothes. Starting when I was about seven, I would sit on my mom's lap, and we made Barbie clothes. Years later, Everson learned how to quilt at a local guild. Community is a big part of the art, and there are lots of meetings where quilters help each other out and pass on the tradition. It's like this classic old fellowship where you're sitting away, we each bring our sewing machines once a week to a place, we work on our projects, we chat. Quilting is a communal thing, but it can also be really practical. That's how it started out. It was a way to make functional coverings for for beds and to be warm and people would take scraps of fabric like even like potato sacks and flower sacks. Today many people use quilting as an art form making things like wall quilts that are just meant for display. Whatever the purpose Everson says the final steps of assembling the quilt make a real difference. Well even though the fabrics were pretty before and the design was pretty I think it's from the texture of having the stitches in so the light changes on the quilt. Once you do that, the quilt kind of comes alive. 
Everson brings out the texture and the movement in quilts. She also helps keep the tradition alive for generations to come. For North Country Public Radio's North Country at Work project, I'm Anna Williams-Bergen in Saranac Lake. North Country at Work is a long-running project of NCPR that collects photos and stories about working life in our region. If you have a work story you'd like to share, email us work at ncpr.org. Funding for the project is provided in part by the New York State Department of Education. Listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. In just a minute, a poet and a photographer team up for a new book about their favorite Adirondack community. More on that in just a second. Then stick around after the show for Bird Note coming up at 842. But first, Todd has a look at the weather for us. Heavy rain, mild temperatures today, snow likely tomorrow, and then partly sunny skies on Wednesday. Very mild highs today around 50 and uh, light winds out of the north at this point. Winds switching to the west-southwest later today. Temperatures falling into the 20s overnight tonight with a wintry mix likely. And then tomorrow, about a 75% chance of snow Tuesday. Highs around 30 tomorrow. So we're going from a high near 50 today to a high near 30 tomorrow. Partly sunny skies on Wednesday. Right now we have rain and uh, rain showers and 48 degrees here in Canton. A new book pays tribute to the people of Saranac Lake. It's packed with photos, stories, and poetry that celebrates life in the Adirondack community. Photographer Skip Murray teamed up with writer Caperton Tissot about a year and a half ago. They'd admired each other's work for many years and agreed to uh, collaborate on a book that is an overview of sorts of Saranac Lake from 2017 to 2023. I spoke by phone with Skip and Caperton about their book Saranac Lake, an Adirondack portrait. They say there were challenges health issues, computer glitches, and printing delays, but both admit it was worth the effort. Caperton and I were talking one day at uh, at one of the art walks, and, and she was complimenting my pictures, and I was complimenting her poetry, and we said, hey, well, let's do a book. <laughs> and that, that was basically the, the, the beginning. What we agreed about was that we both love living in this village of Saranac Lake, and we started to talk about what to us an amazing place it is and then we said oh well that's a given let's do the book about saranac lake mm-hmm. and i sort of hope this book could be a model for other towns for other people to do books about their towns because it's it's a gift to the community mm-hmm. to sort of point out all of the things going on in a village and um not all of it's beautiful i mean some of the things here some people are not having great lives, so we tried to include that by talking about all the volunteer work going on in this community to help other people, include things like the transition housing that we have here to help other people. We tried to touch on all aspects of the village. In terms of, of choosing the photos, and in, in, in terms of choosing the, the writings, the, the poetry, the, the essays, and so on, were you folks kind of out to capture maybe... Um, 
all four seasons in Saranac Lake or a, a year in the life of Saranac Lake, that sort of thing? Not so much that we, I think, uh, Caperton's probably agree, uh, it's what the people do in the village and what the village looks like. Um, that it happened, you know, the, the four seasons just surrounded it, uh-huh. all that. What happened, Todd, is that uh, Gibbs has taken many, many photographs, and he invited me to go through his photographs and pick out ones that um, appealed to me that I wanted to write about. So that's how some of the photos happened. Other photos, he went out and said, let's, let's write on this particular photo. And and so that was one way it went about. And other times I would say to Skip, we really need to go get a photo of such and such, or we need to go cover another area. And so he would go out and deliberately take photos of those things. But one example of that is the um, we wanted to, you know, fishing being as important as it is to the village. Um, we went out and got a fly fisherman almost on the spur of the moment picture, and it really turned out well. What I love about it is I'm just paging through it as we chat, and you've just managed to capture so much of the life of Saranac Lake from the minuscule to the iconic. I mean, there's there's so many fabulous photos and stories from, obviously, the outdoors and music and the arts, but you've got the Ice Palace, you've got the local rugby club, you've got the, you know, the Winter Carnival Parade. I mean, it's just, it's so much fun to, to page through. You know, again, there's so many people and things and groups we left out. It yeah. just wasn't possible to touch on everything. Yeah, maybe another hundred pages would have done it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Caperton came up with idea after idea after idea, and um, I just we just followed and went, and, and she ended up driving me around quite a lot so that we could get to certain places and take uh, so I could take pictures. Uh, and then uh, Caperton uh, wrote poetry, as she said, I I would give her a half dozen pictures, and, and whatever struck her as a poem, she just used that picture and wrote, you know, with the, with a poem, and and that's how that. Uh, came about it was all pretty uh, what do you call it serendipitous mm-hmm. you know almost almost from the start it was like that it was just well why don't we do this let's do that what do you think of this and and, and even the very 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 last day within 24 hours of publishing we were still putting pictures in the book so it was sort of at times i felt like i was driving a getaway car on the heist <laughs> skip was in the passenger seat and we'd be racing around and say we have this 3P race in the spring that was pole, pedal, and paddle race. Uh-huh. And there were events happening all over the place, and we were popping from one location to another. And then Skip would leap out of the car, and I'd go off and try to find a park, parking place. And at one point, we were driving along together, and I said, and there was a girl who was running, a woman running and finishing up the 3P race. And she was running up to Pisgah, and she had on a, a rainbow skirt, and I said, oh, get that, get that, get her, get her. Chip <laughs> would leap out of the car and run back and get her photo. And it was fun, but it was great. You sound like maybe you were the Bonnie and Clyde of Saranac Lake. <laughs> I felt like it. Are there things that you folks learned about Saranac Lake through putting this book together? I mean, you both are residents and, and love the love the village. I mean, what did you learn? Is there, is there something new that you said, oh, I didn't know that, or wow, look at that? What I learned is I, I had an idea, but how really 
helpful and generous people are. Uh-huh. They were so generous and so helpful and so willing to help us find photos or, or, or stage photos. For instance, we needed, we needed some mountain biking, and um, Will, Will Nenas came out and showed us the pump track that a bunch of kids right, managed right. to fund and build. And he came over and showed it, explained it to us. I didn't know what a pump track was. Mm-hmm. Do you know what a pump track is, Todd? No, I don't. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's a track that's built for mountain bikers. The idea is to be able to ride around that pump track without pedaling, using your pedals. And it's very challenging. And it's a good training to um, get ready for mountain biking. It's got sharp curves in it and fast up and up and down hills in it. And these teenage kids, with some help from the parents, but basically the teenage kids got together the funding and got the people over there who knew how to build that track and build a track. And I had never seen the track before, and I was fascinated. Well, I learned something. Now I know what a pump track is. So now yeah, yeah, you know, I know, huh? <laughs> me too. I had no idea, no clue. And it's a beautifully elaborate thing that they've done. I would really like to see you extend a thank you to the people of the village for, um, as Cape said earlier, um, being so congenial and open to, you know, having us work. And they worked with us. I mean, for instance, the adult center. Uh-huh. Am I right, Caperton? You went over there. For the adult. It was at the adult center. Yes. And and they were just. I mean, they really went out of their way, right, to to make those pictures happen. Yeah, yeah. People have been wonderful. So this is really, really a uh, combined gift to the community is the way we saw it. Poet Caperton Tiso, photographer Skip Murray have collaborated on a new book, Saranac Lake, an Adirondack portrait. It's available at many local bookshops, Book Nook, The Village Mercantile, Hamlets to Huts, The Rock Shop, and Historic, historic Saranac Lake. And you're invited to a book signing with Skip and Capen this Friday afternoon from 1 to 3 at the Village Mercantile in Saranac Lake. There's more information at snowyowlpress.com. That's it for Northern Light. Morning Edition continues in just a minute. Coming up on the program, Hong Kong media mogul and democracy activist Jimmy Lay goes on trial after more than a thousand days of pre-trial detention. We'll get more context for this story from Emily Fang coming up in about 15 minutes right here on North Country Public Radio. Then stick around after that for the Marketplace Morning Report coming up between 8.51 and 9 o'clock. That's it for the show. Northern Light is produced by a wonderful team of people. Kara Chapman, Amy Feireisel, Lucy Grinden, Emily Russell, Catherine Wheeler, Anna Williams-Bergen, our news director, David Summerstein, who edits every story that you hear on the show, and my co-host, Todd Moe. And the wonderful Monica Sandreski. Yeah, don't you forget it, Todd. I'm kidding. (laughs) And you, of course, yes, you, for your financial support, but also your ideas. We love to hear from you. Send an email to news at ncpr.org and let us know what's going on in your world. I'm Monica Sandreski. I'm Todd Moe. Back to news from NPR in just a moment. Be well.